Hello, podcast family, and welcome to Regulation Revolution, where we are igniting a revolution to help the world effectively manage and respond to their emotional experiences. It's not about what happens to us, but how we react that creates harmony or chaos in our lives. Emotional regulation is a complex process involving many factors. We offer this podcast provide insight for you about how you can fine-tune and powerfully decide to transform your complex emotional states into empowered instances of self-mastery, peace, and increased awareness. Instead of having your emotions control of you, you can learn to have control over your emotions. The following program in no way constitutes therapeutic counseling and does not establish a therapeutic relationship or offer any premise of confidentiality with any listener or participant. For more information, visit us at regulationrevolution.com. Welcome to today's episode of Regulation Revolution with your co-hosts, Amy Raymer and Barry Vassar, Heart and Mind. Amy is a licensed therapist, professional speaker, and teacher. Barry is a pre-licensed therapist and practice manager at Heart and Mind. To find out more about Heart and Mind, please visit heartmindrba.com. Welcome once again, podcast family, uh, to Regulation Revolution. You've got Amy and I here. Uh, this is Barry Vassar, Amy Reamer. We thank you for joining us this week. I want to kick things off with just a little quote to get you started, because we're going to be talking about the start tonight. Title is In the Womb. So we're going to give you a quote from the very beginning, because we're going to be talking about the very beginning. No other period in a child's life matches the speed of brain development than the first nine months in the womb. Rapid growth goes hand in hand with enormous potential, but also with great vulnerability. As you know here, Regulation Revolution, we do like to focus on regulation in people's lives, what that looks like. Regulation didn't start when you woke up this morning. Regulation started in the womb. That is where co-regulation begins. We're gonna get into that. We're gonna discuss how the baby's nervous system is impacted, how it benefits from, sometimes how it's harmed by the mother's ability or lack of ability to regulate their own nervous system. The mother's anxiety, depression, anger, conflict, whatever the mother may be experiencing, that child in the womb is experiencing it too. And so we approach this topic with a great deal of sensitivity and a great deal of grace Moms, child caregivers all over the place, parents, grandparents, whomever you may be, adoptive parents, catch enough mess as it is over you should have done this, you shouldn't have done that. We're not going that route here, but we do want to let you know what's happening in the womb. We're going to be operating off of the manual that we have been given. Uh, and by that, I, most parents go out and say, and I've done it myself as a parent, I wasn't given a training manual when I had this child. Well, you were giving a manual. We're going to look at that. It's one that you inherited yourself, how you were parented, your family of origin, how your caregivers interacted with you. New parents nowadays have the opportunity to learn and understand how to edit that manual. They can take 
what was given to them that they are using to, to raise and train their children and can make the edits to it. We all have those things in our own upbringing that if we really look at it, we would say, I wish mom, I wish dad, I wish whomever would have done it different. We can do that, but we need to go back to the beginning and start with the regulation of the mother and that co-regulation with the child. We are all on this journey together. And when we know better, we do better. Amy, that's about enough for me. Bring us into our topic tonight. What are we going, what are we talking about here? Laying the foundation, the in utero, the womb, what's it all about? I will definitely second what you said. We're not here to surely judgment or to point all the fingers, you know, moms or pregnancy. But what we would like is for people, because you know, I, I say, I, if I knew a lot of this stuff back when I gave birth to mine, I would have been scared, even more scared to death, be pregnant to have a baby. So I'm glad I, I learned a lot of this later. I didn't know it back because I would have been like, eat me grapes and just sort of lay flat. Um, nothing. And so I'm glad I know all this now, but I, I just want folks to know that we know that, that pregnancy can be stressful enough as it is, and the, the, especially your first and becoming a parent. It's exciting, but it can also be scary and all of that. So we're not trying to, we're not trying to add to that. We're actually just trying to help people understand it better. I thought about this as you were reading that too, things that we often hear about, or we know that you shouldn't do this or you shouldn't do that when you're pregnant. But those oftentimes are things that we have control over in a lot of ways. And so let's just say, let's say you're not a big drinker anyway. It's like, okay, well, that's no problem. You're not going to drink while I'm pregnant, not drink alcohol, right? So for some people, that's probably not a big problem, but stress and life circumstances and experiences that might happen while you're pregnant may not be in your control. And that could be scary too. So we don't, again, we don't, this isn't about a finger pointing blame game here. This is about help to support. And if, if people can take away something, whether no one hasn't had children yet, maybe somebody's listening that's expecting or something like that. I'm hoping that those folks can hear that we are supportive and just want people to know so that they can make better choices. Or if something happens that's beyond their control, a teeter-totter, right? Like can, they could adjust that teeter-totter from their side and do what maybe they can control or what, what they can do to help themselves. Because regulation can occur even uh, in the midst of, of a crisis or stress where we can manage. And I think you were the one that said this, Mary, the whole we could be okay even when things aren't okay or something like that. <laughs> so it's not about getting inside of a padded room and having someone bring you food on a tray while you're pregnant. Because that, for some people, that could be more stressful <laughs> than dealing with the outside world. So it's just giving people that power back. So that's what I'm hoping is that we can help them. And and I'm a, a very much a go to the root of the problem person. And so that's why I'm really passionate about this infant mental health stuff. Because I'm like, gosh. And we can set the foundation up really well because that's what happens is we we give them a foundation that sets them up to be able to manage regulation and, and emotions. If we can do that in the beginning, that's fantastic. Why why not? That saves me a lot of stress later than trying to fix those problems or help that or heal that or fix that later. Dr. Bruce Perry talks about how if that zero to twelve months, if someone has good enough parenting then you've set up a foundation 
for them to be able to manage life even when stressors and things get thrown at them. They can handle the teeter-totter better. If you have a child that, that first zero to 12 months is, is a lot of stress, neglect, abuse, any of those things that are kind of chronically happening, and then they get removed from that environment and they go to a safe, happy, good place and get that good enough parenting now, they still are likely to have problems because they didn't get the foundation in there. So that's what I'm hoping is that we can talk about this foundation in the very, very beginning of that foundation, which is, is in the womb. Well, it's funny because I was looking at something that I had here notes wise and such, and there's this, this phrase that's really stuck out to me here. Uh, hero is the first home for a baby. And, and that yeah. goes into that foundation, but I never really, I never really thought about it that way. But that is, that's the first home. That's the first thing you experience is being in the womb. That's the first, uh, no wonder people come out crying when they're born. It's, it's got it's got to be a whole lot better than when you hit that air, when you get out of the home. But that is, for nine months, that's your source of security, your source of nurture, the sights, the sounds, the smells. And so I got to imagine that even just being born in and of itself can create dysregulation for a child. I mean, oh, I want to say yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's one of those first times the teeter-totter gets tilted, right? Yeah. No, I, I I thought about this. So if, 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 if you want to take a moment and do this, if people are listening, if they want to do this, I think it's really helpful if you think about it. If you think about what is your go-to safe place, right? Like it might be your bedroom. It might be a grandparent's house. It might be a tree house in the backyard. It might be a hammock, it might, whatever your space is that you can go to, whether you do it physically or maybe it's a memory and you go to it in your head or wherever, but that you feel the most sort of safe and calm. And it's the place that if given it, that option, you're going to retreat there right away. That's what's home for people, right? And so that's where we feel safe. That's where we feel comfortable. You probably are very familiar with that space, what, what you see there, what you smell, what you hear. All of those things are very familiar and natural and normal to you. That's where safety comes from in our body. Remember we, we last uh, episode, we talked about the tiger and the owl and all that, right? Mm -hmm. And so the tiger is like, oh yeah, this is the cool place. Like, bad happens here. This is, everything's good here. So that is what a baby has for nine months. The the sound of the, the mother's voice, the heartbeat that she has. It could be the sound of the other caregivers' voices. So if there's another parent around that's talking to the baby a lot and recognizing that voice. And I'm sure there are parents out there that have had ultrasounds and they want the baby to move so they'll get the other parent to talk and then that will get the baby to move, right? Because they recognize the voice. A smell that the parents smell, all of that is where they're at in that womb, in that temperature. All of that is their safe space. And that's what that's what security looks like for them because it's all the same. It's predictable for them. So then when it comes to regulation, especially, I guess, the emotional regulation of the mom and, and how she's processing those things, you know, that he said in there that made me think, you're like, that's, that's your safe place as a baby. That's the nine months. But that's not true necessarily if if mom is very dysregulated if it's bid i know there's domestic violence relationships i know there's all kinds of things that could take place even just working 
It, I've talked with moms that have worked 50 hour weeks, right up to 38 weeks in pregnancy and 39, and they're working two jobs and you can see the stress. So I started thinking for myself and just thinking of those experiences uh, with others that maybe for some people, the womb was not the safest place because that's where that tiger we talked about before. And I do, you know, do want our folks to go back. If you don't know who the tiger is, <laughs> they can go back and listen to our other episode to find out about the tiger out in hippo, but where that is developing in the womb, maybe that's where that tiger begins this agitation that the world is not a safe place. If mom mm -hmm. is screaming or dad is screaming or partner is screaming or whatever it may be. So it's the idea would be that, yes, this is supposed to be your safe, warm, fuzzy place. But I go back to if utero is the first home, then what is the parent providing in that home? through their regulation. It's one of the things I know we wanted to hit on the, the, what it's like during that pregnancy. Yeah. And, and, and like I said, a lot of these things are, are beyond the control of the mom, right? Like maybe there's a finding saying, maybe you lose a job, right? When you find out you're, you're pregnant or maybe your spouse leaves you or maybe something like COVID. I can't even imagine women that were pregnant right over all of that stress that was happening in the entire world. Right. And so there are a lot of things obviously beyond their control. So how can you help yourself to be okay even when everything else isn't okay, right? So there's just a lot of factors that are playing into that. And hormonally, if, if you were stressed and we're pumping out that cortisol, then that's going to be pumping out to the baby. And so what you're doing is you're setting up a regulatory system that is already, like you said, sort of already sort of struggling a little bit. And you may have a baby that's harder to soothe, doesn't sleep as well. Maybe get startled by loud noises easily. And so if the baby's not sleeping, we know the parents aren't sleeping. Uh, and their uh, sleep cycle's already not set up just yet. Um, so anything that sort of makes that sleep cycle worse is not helpful. The quote that you read at the beginning, and we'll we'll make sure that we, we get into the comments or somewhere that people can uh, see the actual sort of research. So if you're more of that kind of a brain geek and you want to see the research, but there was a research study that they it looked at sort of mental health and stress levels and all of that in the like and third trimesters. And then they follow these babies. And then at six, when the baby was sick, turned six years old, they did one of those little hair tests where they look for the cortisol in the hair and they can kind of age it back. And there was a correlation between the women that had higher stress, higher difficulties with mental health issues during pregnancy, and that six-year-old had higher cortisol levels. Whether the six-year-old... Even had, you know, six years past birth, they can still tell by the, the hair? Mm -hmm. So it's the reason I shaved my head. I don't want anybody to know about my birth experience. <laughs> you don't want to know your stress levels. <laughs> this is what happens if you have too much cortisol in your baby. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. I that's like it. this. Well, they go back to being the baby with new hair. Exactly. Um, but yes. So of course, life isn't going to be perfect and there's going to be stressors and things like that. This is more definitely more chronic stressors that are happening you know, throughout an entire pregnancy. If a pregnancy is unplanned, maybe a woman's wondering, what am I going to do? Maybe it was a difficult decision to carry through pregnancy. Lots of individual decisions going on there, what to do. There's also studies about even, if, say, a terrible situation where you have, maybe there's a rape 
And so you know, when the whole time that she's carrying this baby, because she decides she does want to carry the baby, then, but when you think about the baby, it's connected to a trauma. And so now your own thoughts might not be the best towards this infant. And there are studies that show if, if someone's really conflicted about having this child or what this is going to mean or whatever, there's a lot of that kind of gets through. And so we want you, like you said, if we want that sort of whole environment to be a really nice, loving, nurturing, warm environment, we have to deal with whatever is going on. The, when I say we, the people carrying the baby <laughs> and their par partners and spouses and families and friends, I think that whole, it takes a village, it definitely fits, but we need to support whatever is helpful to women to be able to carry these babies in the best way possible to give them that shot. That's so, like So almost any form of, we listed that extreme, but almost any form of unwanted pregnancy, like I do not want this child that I'm carrying. I'm just the vessel until the child comes out, which I do want to ask you about adoption as well, but I'm just the vessel that's carrying this child. This child's coming out going up for adoption, going to wherever, such like that, regardless of how I got pregnant, what nightstand, sexual assault, or just unexpected pregnancy at a teenage level, that's going to, it's got to be able to impact the child because there's, there yeah. is going to be stress. There is going to be angst. So it doesn't even have to be that it was a traumatic event so much as it is that I just don't want this thing I'm carrying. And the baby is yeah. feeling that. If you think about communication, so much of communication is nonverbal, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily what we're saying or even what we're thinking, but it might be how we're feeling. And those messages can certainly get through to an unborn baby. They may not be able to spit those out in words to you, right? but it's, you know, just think about how you look at someone's face and you can get an impression of whether they're happy, sad, mad, whatever you can guess where they're at just based on those nonverbal cues that you probably can't even name exactly why I just think this. And so it's a nonverbal message and communication that's going on. So that's, that's, there's just lots of, we know obviously there's lots of different stressors and things that can go sideways when it comes to becoming a parent. And so we can't obviously eliminate all of them, but it's, it's taking care of yourself in more ways than just physical more ways than just eliminating certain substances or taking your prenatal vitamins. Like there's way more to setting success up for a child. There's even studies even about, there's actually even studies about fertility and how anxiety and stress can impact someone actually getting pregnant. And of course, when you're trying to get pregnant and you're not getting pregnant, then you're, you're even more stressed. <laughs> so you see a lot of your dangers. I heard somebody say one time, and I can't remember who said it. Whoever, you, if you know you said it, I give you credit for it. Whoever you are, and I'm sure it's you've heard it, where it talks about that this child that you're carrying is basically a stew. You have an old stew, you throw in some potatoes, some tomatoes, some beef or chicken, onions. Mm -hmm. All the stuff is just getting thrown in there, and it's yeah. like, oh, congratulations! Here's here's the pot of stew that we made from cortisol and adrenaline and from just all of these chemicals. And it's interesting because I was talking with somebody um, outside of the counseling field just about uh, adoption piece of it. They were talking about that the child was 
nine months of pregnancy. The mom had planned on putting up for adoption. It did everything else. It wasn't necessarily an unwanted or hate this thing in me. But when they adopted the child and the child is now an adult, they talked, they talked with me about the whole difficulty in this dysregulated child. And they were like, but he or she didn't have a traumatic birth. This was a natural birth right at the, the nine month mark. And there was no substance abuse. There was no nothing else. But I wonder now how much of it was just that sort of mom's feeling of, I do want this out of me, love it, but don't want it. So like, you know, I guess what I'm going at is you could be rejected in the womb. Is it? Yes. So, but uh, I know adoption is one of those things that we, we talked about or that we were going to talk about, but uh, I was just thinking of that. And then they were like, well, there was nothing traumatic. It was an accidental pregnancy. The girl was fine. She wasn't on drugs. There was no domestic violence. She just didn't want the baby. And it was a nice natural birth. And we adopted in a few weeks old. And it's like, that's great. And they were like, and then he was off the charts. <laughs> that happened in the womb. Well, because one, we don't know how well birth mom's Peter Totter was working, right? Because mm -hmm. we don't know what was going on in her life. Regardless of whether you physically did a good job of taking care of herself and, and keeping her health up and all of that, we don't know what her stress levels and her cortisol levels were like for nine months. And anybody who's had kids and you know how quickly they grow and change outside the womb in nine months. Inside the womb, it's so rapid, just like that quote talks about the change in the brain development is so rapid, uh, which is which is phenomenally just interesting to me. But then there's that vulnerability because if you interrupt that process at all, if you 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 put I always call it it's like putting in a, a traffic cone or a barrier or a detour, and then everybody goes nuts because they can't go down that road anymore. That's what happens sort of in the brain, and when it's something supposed to be changing rapidly, and you change it, then you. You've changed a lot. Plus, regardless, even let's just say, let's say mom's regulation was really good and you did manage pretty well and good enough. We talk about good enough parenting, let's just say good enough pregnancy, right? Let's say that is the truth. But what happened was after, so when a baby is born, and we talked about the hole in the womb, right? But then when the baby is born, yes, their world changes a lot. There's lights, there's sounds that are different. It's, you know, warmer or colder. Your temperature is different. There's uh, textures and touch stuff that's different. So yes, the tiger's paying attention to all this new stuff and is it okay? Am I going to be okay? What helps a baby to be okay through that birth change and that transition is the fact that there's a voice that's the same. There's a smell that's the same. There's a heartbeat that's the same. And so... If all of that stuff is the same, the tiger can be like, we can handle these changes because this rest of this home environment had stayed the same. It would be like painting the walls in your house and putting in some new lights that go up and down, right? But the floors are the same, the smells are the same, where the house is sitting, how you come in the house, that's all the same. So these are kind of changes. I can, I can handle these changes because they're all the stuff the same. With adoption, it all changes. All of it, all at once, whether that was at one day after being born, whether that's three weeks after being born, whether that's six months after being born, whether that's six years after being born, whether the environment's a good home or not, it's still your home. It's still what's familiar. It's still what I recognize. It's still predictable. 
to a degree, even if there's unpredictability, but it's my unpredictability, right? And you learn it. It's just like anybody who lives with people learn when that person's angry, I'm going to do this to avoid it. So again, not necessarily a perfect home, but it's predictable and you recognize it. And when it all changes all at once, that is scary. And that is a trauma that really impacts baby and how they are. And you have to continue, check out part two of the foundation of regulation, babies, they've arrived. The preceding program in no way constitutes therapeutic counseling, does not establish a therapeutic relationship or offer any premise of confidentiality within listener or participant. If you or someone you know is in need of counseling services and reside in the Commonwealth of Virginia, please visit us at parkmindrba.com for more information.